welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. following up with the, the message that we've been singing in song that Brother Jake has been sharing with us today in First John chapter 4. Today, First John chapter 4, and I'm going to ask if you will to please turn there in your Bibles. First John chapter 4 and find verse 7. First John chapter 4 verse 7. First John chapter 4 verse 7. As we Started this new year off, God laid on my heart to look at a couple of different things before we had our revival meetings, kind of help prepare us. We talked about getting committed to the Word of God this year, getting in God's Word, studying it, responding to it. And uh, one of the reasons why we want to get into the Word of God so that we might know God better. We might know what He wants from us. Last week we looked at a passage there in Joshua that talks about being committed to the Lord and how Again, we are saved by grace. It is the work of God. But God saved us to work. He, he expects something out of us. We talked about what it meant to be committed to the Lord. But today, God's laid on my heart to look at this passage in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. As we think about being committed to each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, as the church, we should be committed and there for each other as well. So this morning... Uh, if you will, if you're willing and able to please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word as we begin reading in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. We do love you, we praise you, and we thank you for what you have done for us, your mercy and grace we could go on and on about today. And God, I pray that we would, Lord, be thankful for that, never get over that grace and mercy, never get over the fact that you love us the way you do. But God, I pray that we would show that love to others. As we've already heard in Sunday school, and Lord, even in this text today, Lord, that we might be found faithful to show Christian love to others. Help us, Lord, to, as you show your love for us, may we show it to others. I pray, Lord, today there may be people here today who do not know you as their Lord and personal Savior. I'm praying that, Lord, today you would do a mighty work in their life. Lord, we, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them of their sins, show them that they need you more than anything else, and God, would you save them today? And God, I pray that would happen, and I pray that every believer 
from this pulpit to the last pew, Lord, we'd be convicted to be more like you, Jesus. If there's somebody that we are not treating as we should, God, reveal it to us and may we repent of it and change today. God, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do today. Now may I decrease and you increase, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. In the text that I just read to you, there is the Greek word for love, agape. It is found 13 times in those verses that I just read to you. 13 times in some form or another, it is listed there for us. It is listed many times, this word agape in our English Bibles, as the word love. If you use a King James Bible, it may be translated as charity uh, sometimes. But agape love is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love that a person has for someone that they do care for, even if they are not shown that love in return. They have chosen to love someone and to show it. In a few weeks, Lord willing, as we go through the book of 1 Corinthians, I can't wait to get to 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, Christian love is defined for us. And this morning, I'm not going to preach a, a text on that because we're going to look at it in a few weeks. But, but in 1 Corinthians 13, it is defined for us very clearly what Christian love is. It's a love of action. It is not based on sensual love that a, a married couple might have or, or brotherly love that family and friends have. It is a love that really is so rare in, in the Greek culture that the, that the gospel was born in. So rare that before the first century, this word agape is found very few times in Greek writing. But beginning in the first century, as believers started writing, what you see is this word agape began to flourish as believers began to describe the love that God has for them and that we should have for each other. It is a love of action. It is not a touchy-feely love. It is one that shows itself in what is done. Now, in verse 7, the passage starts off with the word beloved or agape. This word here, it has to do with the followers of Christ. One scholar put it this way, you could describe them as divinely loved ones. But he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers here. As believers, there's, as we saw this morning in our Sunday school lesson, there's a very high standard that God has given for believers. We are not to, to live as the world lives. Uh, lost people treat people the way they are treated. We treat people the way Christ has treated us. Amen? And God has shown us mercy and grace in abundance. He has given us more than we could ever dream or, or hope for. And we should be giving and serving and loving others as well. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. He says that believers, we are to love each other. John puts himself in that same category when he says us. We are to agape one another. And in this text, he will give us two very important reasons why we are to show Christian love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice with me here in verse 7 and 8. We are to show Christian love because that's what saved people do. We're to show Christian love because that's what saved people do. Notice what verse 7 says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Love is of God means that its source is the origin of love comes from God. This is a God love. He is the one who, who created. He is the one who ordained it. He is the source of it. 
And if we belong to God, we will begin to act like God and we will love like God loves. And he is love. One preacher has said we're never nearer to Christ than when we love as God loves. And again, the word love here throughout this text is agape love. As we show that that, that action, that self-sacrificing love, God loves us. And if we belong to him, we will love others as we've been loved. Amen? See, there's a lot of people that can't show Christian love to others because they've never experienced it themselves. They've never been overwhelmed by the forgiveness that comes that God could just simply forgive them of all of their sins. And because they've never experienced that, they can't forgive others. And they can't love others because of it. Church, we see that God is love and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In the last part of this verse, he says, everyone. You know, I love to look up words in the Greek language. You know what everyone means? It means everyone. Hey, that's right. Wake up. There may be more jokes coming and you don't want to miss them. Everyone. Everyone who loves is born of God. Everyone who agape is born of God means they've been born again. It means they are saved. Saved people show agape love. If someone doesn't show agape love, as we'll see in a minute, it just reveals they don't know God. He says in the last part of this verse, love is born of God and knows God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The word know there is a, is a word that means to know through experience, to have a complete understanding of something. What it means is you have a personal relationship with them. You've heard the old illustration that I, I, you may know who the, the governor of Georgia is. I know who Brian Kemp is. I could pick him out in a lineup, but I don't know him personally. I know the facts. I know he is governor. I, I could tell you a little bit about what, but I don't know him personally. You understand? This word means to know someone personally. I know my wife personally. I know all about her. And, and here when he talks about knowing someone He's talking about someone who loves with that agape love. They have a relationship with God. They just don't know about God or God doesn't know about them, but they have a relationship. In Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23, Jesus at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, people are going to come to me on judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never had an experiential relationship with you. Oh, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And you may know who I am. But you and I don't have a relationship. You've never been saved. You see, they may have uh, thought that they were going to get to heaven because they were uh, good in church and did a bunch of different things. That's not what saves us. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ and him alone. And Jesus will say on that day, depart from me. I never had a relationship. Not we had one and then you lost it. No, no. I never had one with you. We see here in verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What a powerful word John would say. The apostle of love. And we think of that, 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 that word love, the apostle John, the, 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 the apostle of love, and we think, man, uh, it's just he's, he's real sensitive. Okay, No. Christian love, agape love, is a love of action. Here's a man that was beaten and tortured, 
for a large portion of his life. He went through a great deal of trial. He wasn't soft. Oh, no. He was someone who was committed to loving others the way, the way Christ had loved him. He is someone who walked with Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is that everyone who loves with that agape love is born of God and knows God. But those who don't, don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. For God is love. A true sign that someone is born again. They love with a Christian love. Now, folks, this is something that we cannot uh, monkey around with and we cannot sugarcoat in any way. Earlier on in the book of 1 John in chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, we see here in chapter 3, verse 10 of this same book, John writes, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. That means they're seen. It's obvious. You want to know who belongs to God, who belongs to the devil. He said, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is one who does not love his brother. You take someone who can claim all they want to, but if their life is evident of unrighteousness and not the righteousness of God, if they do not agape their brothers and sisters in Christ, he says it is obvious, it is blatant that they do not belong to God. They belong to the devil. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Jesus taught his disciples to love one another. And he taught it, and John got it, and God, John talks about it throughout his Gospels and his letters. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We agape the brethren. He who does not agape his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John makes it very clear. There's a very high standard here that we are to agape. We're to do that. Why? Because we are saved. That's what saved people do. They love their brother and sister in Christ. The verbs in, in John's letter here, in particular in the, the verses that we'll be looking at this morning, verses 7 through 11, almost every single one of them are in a tense in the Greek language that means a habitual action. It means habitual actions, okay? It means a, a lifestyle. A, 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 this is how they always are. You know why that's important? Because there are going to be times when we may sin. There may be times when we do things unrighteous. But according to John's letter here, when that is the pattern of our life, it reveals who we are. Because all of us are going to mess up. See, all of us in here, we're going to get mad at a brother or sister in Christ at some point or another. Amen. Oh, yeah, we all are. There's going to be times when something's going to be said, something's going to be done, and we're going to get mad, and we're going to have flare-ups, and we're going to get upset about it. But as a child of God, that should not be the habitual practice of our life. Those should be rarities, not what is common in our life. Matter of fact, if it's common in your life, it's just going to hinder, it's going to do two things. It's going to hinder your worship. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, he said, if you want mercy, you've got to show mercy and give it. Now, I don't know about you, but I love mercy and grace. I told my Sunday school class this morning, I love mercy and grace. I underline it every time I get it in my Bible, man. I, I want all the mercy I can get. That's God not giving me what I deserve. And the Bible says, if I want that, I've got to show, give it to others. And who do you really have a chance to show mercy to? Probably someone who is your enemy. Someone who has hurt you in some way. Someone that you can get back at. 
In Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, it says when you come to worship and you realize you have odds with your brother, get right and then come worship. He says, leave your sacrifice there. Go and make peace with your brother. Then you come and worship me. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says if we won't forgive this, he says in Matthew 6, if we are to forgive, uh, uh, ask God to forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Later on in Matthew 6, 14 through 16, he tells us if we won't forgive this, we must forgive. Folks, as a child of the living God, we're going to get upset at times. But here's what I find out. We cannot worship God if we're hating our brother and sister in Christ. Your worship is a farce. It's hypocrisy. It's not getting anywhere with God because God wants us to get right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why a child of God can't stay mad very long. You might be able to stay six days. That was another joke. Some of y'all missed it. I mean, a carnal Christian can go about six days with it. But if you're walking with God, it shouldn't be more than an hour or two, I think. I think every, at least every couple of hours, you ought to be talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we're to be, have an attitude of prayer, a life of thanksgiving. Our life is to be an act of worship. And how can that be when we're hating our brothers and sisters in Christ? And God's like, no, 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 we need to get this settled. That's why we've got to be quick to forgive and show mercy and love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, if not, it's going to hinder our worship. Later on, we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at a passage there where those believers were coming together. And what we're going to see, and again, you don't get to skip this week because I'm giving you a heads up. But um, when they come together, some of the richer ones were bringing food. And they were bringing wine to have a, an agape meal, a love feast. And then they were having the Lord's Supper afterwards. And some of the poor members were coming in late. And what was happening is some of those folks were eating up all the food. And drinking so much wine, they were actually drunk by the time they were getting ready to have a worship service and have the Lord's Supper. And Paul goes in and talks about not taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, some people may think that they're not thinking about the, the bread and the juice, but the body of Christ is the church. And they weren't thinking about their brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul said, because of that, there's some of you in that church that are dead. There are some in that church that are dead. There are some that cannot walk and some that are sick. Because they did not discern the Lord's body. They were not treating their brothers and sisters in Christ the way that they should. And as a result, it impacted their worship. Worst case scenario, if you have a habitual lifestyle of not loving your brother and sister in Christ, it just shows that you may not be saved at all. That's what he says in verse 8. So why do we love one another? Because that's what saved people do. Amen. We've been saved, therefore we act like our, uh, our Father in heaven. Look with me there at 1 John. Not only do we love one another, because that's what saved people do, but then secondly, that's what the Lord has done for us. That's what the Lord has done for us. Look there with me at the last part of verse, look at verse 11. He says, Beloved, divinely loved ones, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to love so. How did he love us? Well, he tells us there in verses 9 and 10. He did it through his actions. Look in verse 9. The Bible says, in this, the love of God was manifest. The word manifest means shown, plainly open for everyone to see toward us. God's love is shown toward us. Notice that God sent his only begotten son. 
How do we know that God loves us? He sent his only begotten son to this world. Again, he didn't just say that I love you. He acted on it. He proved it through his actions. He agapied us. <coughs> Excuse me. He agapied us. Jesus Christ humbly lowered himself and came to this earth. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting here, this word sent here, it's in a tense that means it happened and it's having lingering results. Do you know the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth? It is still impacting this earth. <laughs> it is still impacting this earth. And he says he showed it by sending his son to this earth that we might have life or might live through him. That we might live through him. It is through what Jesus Christ did that we have life and life more abundant. The Bible teaches us, church, that before a person comes to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they are spiritually dead. Regardless of how they look on the outside, the inside is dead, it's empty. Ephesians says that that, that the wrath of God is just hovering over that person. And one day they're going to experience it for all eternity. That literally they are a dead man walking or dead woman walking with, with, with no hope, no access to God. That's what a lost person is. But when a person gets saved, oh my goodness, they are given eternal life. And life more abundant. Over in in 1 John, John put it this way when he described Jesus coming to this earth. He says in in, in John chapter 1, verse 11, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God that those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. They were born again. We've been born again. We've been given new life and life more abundant. We now have a purpose in this life. Remember, God saves us and gives us a reason to live. He has a a purpose for our life. How has God shown his love for us? By sending Jesus that we might live through him. But then also we see in verse 10 to be the propitiation for our sin. Look in verse 10. He says, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When Jesus Christ came here, how do we have eternal life? It's because Jesus Christ came to this earth, he lived a perfect sinless life, and then he went to the cross at Calvary to pay for my sin debt and yours. The Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 that my sin was taken out of my account and placed into the account of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he died on that cross at Calvary, he died for my sin and he died for your sin. He took that for you and me. He took on the anger of a holy God. In the book of Romans, in chapter 3, in the last part of that chapter 3, we find out that, that we've all fallen short of God's glory. And that Jesus Christ, him and only through him, he had to come and he had to die for our sins. And the reason for that is because God is holy. God is holy. He couldn't just say, all right, I'm just going to wipe the debt clean. No. Somebody's got to pay for our sin. Somebody had to pay the price. And who paid that price? Jesus did. Jesus came. He took my hell. He took your hell. He took on the wrath of a holy God for us. That's what it means to be that propitiation. He paid that price for us. That's how much he loves us, church. He took it for us. What incredible love he has. Aren't you glad he took your place? Do y'all know that God, there's two types of anger that are described in in the Bible. One refers to a flare-up. 
And that's something that we tend to have. And then there's a settled anger. And the Bible says that God has a settled anger toward our sin. He hates it as much as he possibly can hate it all the time. All the time. He will never have his, have his mind changed on it. He hates it. And somebody's going to pay for it because he is holy. And that's why he sent Jesus to die for our sin. And by doing that, God remains just and the justifier of our sins, Romans tells us. He made us just and he stays just because somebody still paid the debt. Folks, if that ain't enough to get you up, to open up your Bible, and to spend time with him every day in the living room, I don't know what else I could tell you. If that ain't enough to get up and worship God for your physical living room, I don't know what else to tell you. You deserve hell and you was going to hell and Jesus took it for you. And if that ain't enough, I don't know what else I can say. I don't know what else God can do. Can you imagine giving your child up like that? To suffer and die for someone who wouldn't even be faithful? God loves us and we should love others because that's what the Lord has done for us. He did it through his actions and also through his initiation. Look in verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us us notice god agape us he loved us not because we're great people or because of what we've done no the bible says just the opposite while we were yet sinners christ died for us but the bible says but he hath loved us he took the initiative we wouldn't know god if god didn't first love us he's the one who took the initiative left to ourselves we'll not come to god that, that lost person that you and I are praying for, if all we do is live a good life in front of them and nobody tells them the gospel, nobody shares the good news, they're going to die and go to hell. The Bible says the only way for someone to be saved is for them to believe the gospel and they're not going to believe it until somebody tells them the gospel. Somebody's got to share with them. There's no other method in the Bible given for salvation except through the church of the living God proclaiming the truth of God and the Spirit of God taking it and convicting a person of their sin and then realizing they need to be saved. You see, God left to ourselves. We would, we would not come to Him, but He came to us. He took the initiative. And I'm so glad He did. I'm so glad He didn't hold anything back. God loved us by taking this and sent his son. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send an animal. He sent his very son. He sent the very best. We totally, under, we, we totally undeserve that, that love, but yet it shows it to us. Now, church, what does this mean for us today as believers? As believers, we're to show agape love to others. This morning, our Sunday school class dealt with that in, in, in great, a great deal about how we are to treat others, how we're to love others with that agape love. We're to treat people the way God has treated us. And we are to love as he loves us. Why? Because that's what saved people do. Why? Because that is the way that God has loved us. Has he saved you? Has he loved you that way? I want you to know something today. If, if you're here, you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. If you've never been born again, I want you to know that God loves you and he can't do anything else to show you that. And this morning, if the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart and you realize there's something wrong and you've not been born again and you've not been saved, these things that we're talking about are foreign to you, maybe today you need to be saved. In just a minute, I'm going to be right down front. Because see, if you've never been changed on the inside, you've never been saved. 
The Bible says when Christ comes in, we become a new creation. We were born of God. Has that happened to you? Because if you've not been saved, today is the day of salvation. Simply admit to God that you're a sinner, and you are. I am, the Bible says we are. Admit that and, and repent of your sin. Turn away from it and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to this earth and he died not part of your sins, but all of your sin. And he rose again three days later. And simply confess him as your Savior and your Lord. Give your allegiance to him. Give your life to him. And he will save you today. Is that what you need to do? In just a minute, I'm going to be right down front. But are you a child of God here today? Let's just be honest. Because I, I don't know about you. You may have had something happen to you during this sermon. Maybe you're just now waking up. I don't know. But as I studied this, it was amazing how names popped up in my head as I was studying it. And how maybe I didn't even want to realize how there's some folks that I were not, was not loving the way I should. Maybe not forgiven like I should. I thought I had, but God, it's amazing. When you get in the Word of God and you ask God to, to show you things, He starts doing it. Is there somebody in your life that you have not forgiven or shown mercy to or loving as you should? Something was said and done and you're still holding that grudge? I mean, if anybody brings that name up, you bring up something that happened 25 years ago? Man, let it go. Let it go. All it's going to do is hold you down from having the relationship that God wants you to have. Don't let bitterness or anything like that. Hello. We are to love each other the way Christ calls us to. Because I don't know about you. When I sing, I want it to be as good as it possibly can be. Brother Jake does too. But I know it's not going to be very good if my heart ain't right. I want my Bible study to be everything it can be. It ain't going to be if my heart's not right. If I'm not loving as I should. Today, I want you to know the altar's open if you want to come. But I just want you to be honest with God this morning. Let's just be honest with him. If there's anybody we're not loving, God, help us to repent of that sin and to love as we should, as you have loved us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way you do, being merciful and patient with us, for not hiding that love but showing that love. That's the same kind of love we're supposed to have for each other. Forgive us when that doesn't happen. Oh, God, forgive us. May we not let anything hinder our worship to you because you, you died for us, Lord Jesus. You paid a debt we could not pay, that we were doomed, and you wiped it all clean. Oh, God, help us to love others the way you have loved us. May we love each other. May we love the lost, Lord. Seek to reach them and do whatever is necessary. May our brother and sister in Christ know that we love them. May they never have to doubt it so that you might receive glory and might receive the worship that you are worthy of here in this, your house, and in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, if you need to be saved, be born again.